Well, welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family love and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Christopher Robbins, husband, father of nine, founder of Familius, fly fisherman and outdoor enthusiast living in the beautiful California Central Valley. For the video of this podcast, please view it on the Familius YouTube channel. We welcome today's guest, Dr. Lauren Cook. Now, Dr. Lauren Cook, a therapist who specializes in treating millennials and Gen Z clients, and is a millennial who also lives with anxiety, understands the many nuances, reasons why these two groups are struggling in different ways than their predecessors. Taking a feminist and intersectional lens, Dr. Cook shares her own struggles with anxiety and provides easy, actionable steps to help readers ride the waves of anxiety rather than constantly swimming against them. This relatable, honest, and information-packed book incorporates thorough, evidence-backed psychological research and diverse client experiences to illustrate a broad range of presentations of anxiety and help readers gain insight into their own stressors and effectively work through anxiety. Now, this book is Generation Anxiety, a millennial and Gen Z guide to staying afloat in an uncertain world. And in fact, as you listen to this podcast, the book is now released as it releases September 19th, 2023 and is available wherever books are sold. Today, we're discussing how to help our millennials and Gen Z generation successfully navigate an uncertain world. This podcast aligns with the familiar habits, learn together, talk together, and work together. You can learn more about the familiar 10 habits of happy families by going to the Habit Hub blog on familiar.com. Now, Dr. Cook, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Christopher. I'm so happy we get to chat. Well, I read that anxiety is almost an epidemic. And I think that you wrote that over 40 million just Americans are experiencing some form of anxiety. Why? Why is this more than it used to be? Is it just more people, more prevalent of, of information? Or are we really seeing more anxiety? There definitely is more anxiety. We're seeing not only the prevalence increase, so more people experiencing this, but also severity. So intensity of symptoms is increasing for folks. And that's something I researched a lot in Generation Anxiety. Why is that, right? Because you could argue there's been significant generational events for every generation, right? I mean, World War II, I think, comes to mind for many people, right? That being said, this generation, millennials and Gen Z, are inundated by social media constantly. That's something very new that you know we didn't necessarily have 50 years ago. And we also are seeing people become increasingly isolated. There's what's also being called a loneliness epidemic. So that sense of community, which really our human brains, we need that human interaction. We're starved for that. And so there's a lot of reasons why people are feeling more anxious. And I detail that a lot in the book. Okay, so let's let's first define for our audience how you are interpreting anxiety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So really one of the hallmarks of anxiety is worrying that feels out of control. So we all worry, right? We all have things that, you know, when we go to bed at night, we're running through that mental to-do list. But anxiety, especially what would be diagnosed as something like generalized anxiety disorder, is when that worrying is just absolutely out of control. And what's really interesting with anxiety is it's so often this seeking control, right? And the more we try and have this control, the more out of control we can tend to feel. So that is really often how it presents. And, you know, another hallmark that people can notice is if they're avoiding in their life in any way, if they're saying, I'm not ready yet, I need a little more time, 
they find themselves making excuses and avoiding engaging in their lives, that could be an indicator that anxiety is having its grip on someone. Okay. Well, that's very helpful because I, I know that I've felt anxious many times and I think I've felt acute anxiety and I've also felt just normal worry. One of the things we we teach at Familius is we we have no control. What we have is influence. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Let's see how we can influence this today. Now, reading through your table of contents, I noticed that you have used the analogy of, of water a lot, basically an ocean. So help us understand why is that important to you and why is this helpful as we relate our anxiety to an ocean or swimming in water? Yeah. So I love using metaphor in my work as a psychologist. I think it just gives topics another life and way to really sink our teeth into the material. And the waves metaphor is something that has been used a lot in the mindfulness community. John Kabat-Zinn, who's like the founder of mindfulness, really, um, at least in, in Westernized society at this point in time, talks a lot about the waves. And really, anxiety is like a wave, right? It spikes up when we feel that peak. And what I love helping folks do is ride through that other side of the wave to see, ah, okay, I can survive through my anxiety. I can endure when it feels uncomfortable. And I also write a lot about the parallels. There's actually a lot of things that we can fear about the ocean, whether it's the unknown, the unpredictability, the sharks, if you will. And it really applies in the same way to our own minds. We can fear the unknown, the unpredictability of our lives. And it's really learning how to be in the water. I teach people, embrace your inner sea otter, lay back in your water. It may be a little bit uncomfortable sometimes, but anxiety doesn't need to win and make us get out of the water and not live our life the way we'd like to. Okay. So at the beginning, you talked about that we can feel isolated in a world where there's over 8 billion people and we have neighbors all around us, and we're just, people are around us all the time, yet we can still feel isolated. So what are your recommendations there? What can we do to help ourselves not be isolated? Mm -hmm. I really think, and this is a big one for parents, the more we can teach our kids to interact with people, including people who aren't in our immediate family, the better. You know, I have a three-month-old son right now, and he's just started daycare and it's so hard, right? I think a lot of parents are wanting to keep their, their young ones close to home as possible. But I keep having to remind myself that classic phrase, it takes a village. And our kids, our community, we need to be exposed and interacting with each other. The smaller that our world gets where we only know maybe our family and a few friends, we really can feel isolated. And I think this has very serious ramifications where we're not necessarily trusting people anymore. Even six months ago, I think it was about these incidents where, you know, a kid drove up to the wrong house and was shot, right? Or knock on the wrong door and somebody shoots them. That's not okay. And that tells me that we are very like all on edge with each other. And really our children need to feel like they can talk to a neighbor. They can ask someone for help if they need it. And they need to know that there are other people they can interact with especially when you think about how the common joke, right, is that Gen Z can't handle getting a voicemail. It will send them into a panic attack. We just need to build those social skill muscles so that we're all interacting way more with each other. Hmm. Okay. Now, you brought up something that I don't know anything about. You've identified choosing values induction over pain reduction. What do you mean by that? <laughs> yeah. So... The thing about anxiety is that it's very much about wanting to avoid pain. It's about wanting to avoid discomfort, right? 
if there's something we fear, we want to say no, like, let me get out of this. And that's why actually for a lot of folks who are experiencing anxiety during the pandemic, immediately in that, their anxiety actually went down because they didn't have to go to class. They didn't have to give a presentation at work. Uh, they didn't have to go out and date, right? So all these things we got to avoid that often give us that healthy little bit of anxiety. And so really what I like to teach folks is let's get really clear on what matters to you in your life. And by understanding what that is, values induction, we are then willing to sit with the discomfort that comes with choosing that meaningful life, right? I can share the example even I'm very open about my own experience with anxiety. I've struggled with a metaphobia for years, which is a phobia of vomit, which people can say like, that's ridiculous, get over it. But I've worked with enough folks with phobias that where I've really seen these phobias can be very debilitating. And in my case, it was enough where for years I said, I don't think I want to have a child because I was so anxious about the possibility of getting sick. But I really had to sit with the reality of, okay, well, what are my values? One of my key values is, yes, I do want to have a family. Do I really want anxiety to dictate that on my life where I go through my whole life and then regret not having jumped in the pool, if you will? So really by getting very clear and saying, all right, here's what my values are. It helped me sit with the discomfort of my anxiety. And you know what? I did throw up during my pregnancy and I'm really happy to say through that I got through it on the other side. And I've never been more proud of myself because I was able to face that fear. And I love helping other people do that too, because anxiety, it really, quite frankly, it sucks when it is determining the outcome of your life. And I don't want that to happen for other folks like it was for me. Oh, that's great. I love the idea of, as Stephen R. Covey would say, begin with the end in mind. If, yes. Let's define our values. Mm-hmm. Let's not let anything else define them for us. Let's live how we want to live. Okay, now I've learned, there's been times in my life where I, I struggled with some things and I found that when I journal and I actually write what I'm grateful for, that that has been powerful. And I think you bring up what you call five daily gratitudes. So help us understand how is gratitude helpful for anxiety and what are the five daily gratitudes? Oh, I'm so glad you bring that up because that's one of my favorite parts of the book. I've been talking about the power of gratitude for years, and there's so much research, you know, especially in the field of positive psychology on how impactful gratitude can be, not only for our brain health, but for our overall body health. The brain skews pretty negative. And I write about how a lot of people completely buy into those negative thoughts that the brain are telling us, right? I'm a loser. No one likes me. I'm never going anywhere in my life. We all have a different mental script. But for most of us, it's not the most helpful thing. And so I really like to share with folks, hey, that's not you. That's your brain doing its automatic thing. So we really have to counterbalance and give ourselves that intentional dose of positivity, that intentional focus on what's going well in your life. And it's not that we gaslight ourselves and say, oh, ignore all the the pain that's happening. No. I'm very much of an advocate of what's called dialectical thinking and feeling, which means we hold the both and we hold and acknowledge the pain. And we also look at what's going well in our life. So instead of just steamrolling ahead and thinking about like, what do I have to do next week? It's really being mindfully aware and looking around and saying, what's something in the last 24 hours that I'm thankful for? I mean, even someone listening to this conversation right now, like I challenge you to think of, What is something good that happened in your life in the last 24 hours? 
and bring this to your families. You will be amazed at how it shifts the energy in our family units. And this is like a biological effect, right? These mirror neurons in our brains, like I guarantee if you told me something good that happened in your life yesterday or today, I would start smiling and vice versa. So that's how powerful gratitude is. It's really great, contagious energy. I love that. I can tell you that I do yoga a couple of times a week. I'm not very good at it, but I do it. And during certain parts of my my yoga meditation, I literally start to send out what I'm thankful for. Like I'm thankful for the trees that I can see right now. I'm thankful that I can, this breath that I'm drawing, I'm thankful for the bird that I'm hearing sing. And I find that when I do that, it's a profound physiological change that I receive that I, all of a sudden I feel lighter. I feel happier. I feel stronger in my ability to then go throughout the challenges that will, that we all have in our day. Right. I love that. And I feel that effect, even just you sharing that, like you brought us all to that yoga studio with that. So <laughs> which <powerful>. is <laughs> well, Hey, it all works. <laughs> <laughs> so now let's talk about something else. You've talked about that. We are You've talked about how prevalent anxiety is, and you've talked about that we're generation anxiety almost. I don't know if you've coined that phrase or not, but (laughs) generation anxiety, and you say one of the reasons why is because we're generation appearance. Well, what is that, and what can we do about it? Yeah. So these two generations, millennials and Gen Z, there is so much focus on appearance. You know, millennials especially, we really grew up in the time when plastic surgery was going through the roof, right? Abercrombie and Fitch was in its heyday. This really impacted the young adult brain. And Gen Z pushes back on that some. But also, if you go on TikTok, you will see how many filters there are of people literally editing their appearance and how they look. And I find that for a lot of folks, their appearance, they associate with their worth. They feel like it's their source of power in this world. And one thing I really like to share with folks is just a very simple question. What if your appearance was the least interesting thing about you? And that often kind of stops people in their tracks for a second. And it's a moment to check in where we realize, shoot, like I really have been putting a lot of time and energy and focus into how I look. And a lot of the young adults that I work with, you ask them how distressed they are about their body image, scale of one to 10. Many of them will tell me a seven to eight. So this is occupying a lot of their mental energy and attention. And I try and tend to lean more into like body neutrality, body acceptance and body positivity. You know, the body positivity movement is very much the affirmations, love your body, right? Love yourself. And these are great things. But for somebody who is in a state of almost hating their body, that can feel so far out. So getting more to a place of, I accept my body, I can sit with my body, even if it feels uncomfortable sometimes. And coming back to that gratitude piece that we were talking about, let's think about all the amazing things your body does for you in a day, right? The fact that you can hear this conversation or the fact that it's digesting food for you so that you have enough energy to get through your day. So really starting to shift how you know we focus on what our body can do instead of just what our body looks like. Well, a great advice. Again, I've always felt that I had a great face for radio. So there you go. So in the remaining time we have, we've covered a lot, but maybe there are two or three things that you think our audience ought to hear and consider in learning to deal with their own anxiety. So what would you recommend? 
So I have two things. The first one is a very simple tip that a lot of us miss, but I think it's so important. And that's to get your blood work done. So many of us miss this when we're trying to treat our anxiety. We just take it from the neck up approach, but anxiety is a very physical experience. And there's really interesting research just on how vitamin D deficiencies, for example, impact anxiety and depression for folks. So get your blood work done. That is the first tip. And the second tip is is bigger in that I really invite folks to practice what I call empowered acceptance. So one, we need to accept the realities of this world, right? It can be so hard when we turn on the news and hear what's happening in the world. And many of us, we want to just say, la, 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 I don't want to pay attention to it. But by turning our heads away, we're not helping solve the problem. And that's only going to amplify our anxiety. So we have to accept what is. The second piece, though, is we have to be empowered to take action to these problems. We can't just be passive bystanders to our lives, both personally and societally. And I think this is something that millennials, Gen X, that we can really do as parents of Gen Z and Gen Alpha is to really show that we are empowered too, that we want to be a part of the solution. I think this is where Gen Z is super inspiring. Like they are first in line to say like, hey, I don't agree with this. Things like gun violence, they are very quick to say like, I don't feel safe and we need to do something about this. So I think there's a lot that we can do to all be a part of the solution instead of just stand on the sidelines when we feel anxious. Great advice. It's just things we probably haven't thought about. Just like getting our blood work done. That yeah. Everything matters. Yes. But yes. We can take yes. It step by step. Mm-hmm. We don't have to feel anxious and overwhelmed by all the things that we need to do to not be anxious. <laughs> and it's okay to be anxious, right? It's not about making the anxiety go away. It's about learning that we can live with anxiety and still show up for our lives in the way that we want to. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for taking time to join us, Dr. Cook. Now, where can our guests find you online? So I'm at drlaurencook.com. I speak a lot with companies, universities. So if you're listening to this and you want to bring this conversation to your team, I'd love to spend some time. Yeah, Get Generation Anxiety, the book, it, it is on sale now as this conversation comes out. And I post regularly on Instagram and TikTok with some good mental health content and a a few dance moves, just a few. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, as we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familias for the support and bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you chose a book from Familias or Dr. Cook's book. One step at a time, one book at a time, we can make the world a happier place. 